This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. How I Got My Wife to Read Comics Episode 530 Can a comic book collector of over 30 years get his wife to read them? Will she let him keep them? Learn more in this podcast. Let's go to the comic book lounge with Mindy and Mark. Sam Lane, R.I.P., the world's finest 2.0, Busiek drags his feet, it's countdown to Picard, Naomi meets Young Justice, fighting religion with AI, while God and Satan have a chat. This is how I got my wife to read comics for Sunday, December 8th, 2019. I'm Mark. And I'm Mindy. Just a reminder, you can go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get our feed, other SF podcasts and blogs, and you can subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com, like us at facebook.com slash sfppn, follow us on Twitter at sfppn, check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn, or call us at 614-321-9737, that's 614-321-9SFP. Lois Lane, number 6 of 12, by Rucka, Perkins, and Eltieb. When you're doing a miniseries that is in continuity, you're subject to events barging in, forcing you to change course or even hold up things to let the event play through. Event Leviathan just wrapped up, and one of the outcomes was the death of Sam Lane, Lois's father. This issue covers that aftermath. It cuts between the actual military funeral and flashbacks to Lois Lane's relationship with General Lane. A teen getting called out by her dad for coming in late, who rebukes him by acting like a soldier. A young adult telling her father she's in love with an alien. A young mother arguing with her father about his profession. A woman telling her father a secret she's held from him, Every time, Sam tries to understand and accept Lois. We also see Lois sending the other event heroes away as she grieves for her father. At the funeral, she won't accept the ceremonial flag. Clark accepts it on her behalf because of their estranged relationship, which annoys her sister Lucy. You had to make it all about you. It's a wonderfully written issue with a lot of emotion. I just hope it didn't derail Rucka's overall plans. Batwoman Supergirl World's Finest Number 1 by Stoll, Braga, Anwar, Hardin, Shea, Norton, Bennett, Tinian IV, Epting, Orlando, Lupacino, Williams, Blackman, Reader, and Friend. A mainstay of Silver Age and Bronze Age DC, and indeed most of the industry, were anthologies with suffixes such as 100-page Super Spectacular and 80-page Giant. That's where many people first got to read about the JSA and other Golden Age concepts. DC has brought this back as a part of their efforts to expand out of the direct market, a.k.a. your local comic store. Of course, the industry restricted themselves when they mostly abandoned newsstands. The new focus is the big box store, Walmart, Target, etc. The results have been iffy at best since periodicals are rather buried at those kinds of stores, so you have to be looking for it. No casual traffic. So this giant was specifically made for the direct market. It's marked as such. Maybe they'll try it elsewhere later? We haven't really seen this update on the world's finest team, apart from CW's crossovers. So we get a new team-up story featuring Kate Kane's sister, a.k.a. Alice, as the villain. 
Batwoman also gets two new solo stories, the letter from Batman's POV as he writes up his notes on her. The rest of the issue consists of reprints from Batwoman Rebirth Number 1, Supergirl Rebirth Number 1, and Batwoman Number 0. Overall, it's a nice collection for $4.99, only a dollar more than most regular titles today. Batman Creature of the Night, Book 4 by Busiek and Leon. I'm bringing up this issue not so much about the content, but for the publishing schedule and a disturbing trend. This four-issue miniseries, which of course just concluded, had its first issue in January of 2018. The first three issues were out by April of last year, so let's say the, the impact of this finale was blunted a bit. It was an interesting story ruined by such delays. Busiek had some health issues, which helps to explain what happened, but this is a near constant of his career. So, regardless of the cause, it's time for editors and publishers to examine a creator's track record and then limit them to either putting out original graphic novels or requiring that a miniseries be fully in the can before announcing it. We're not blaming the creatives because things happen, but when it happens over and over and over, proper steps should be taken. It's become an epidemic of late issues for DC. Shazam 8 finally shipped 19 weeks later than planned. Doomsday Clock number 12 will, maybe, finally ship on December 18th, over two years after its first issue over what was supposed to be a monthly miniseries. Again, not blaming the creatives, the editors are the problem, too busy tweeting and appearing at cons to do their job, which is to manage the creatives. The industry is scaring readers away from monthly floppies, waiting until those collections are published. But those collections have to come from somewhere. Yeah, I agree completely. Is it that hard to get four issues written and drawn before you publish the first one? Or even if it's out of continuity, which this was, don't even announce it. Literally have it sitting waiting at the printer. Yeah. And then go, well, okay, now we're going to do it. Yeah. Star Trek Picard Countdown Number 1 from IDW by Bayer Johnson, Hernandez, and LaFuente. As anyone listening to this is probably aware, CBS All Access will be premiering a sequel to Star Trek The Next Generation starring everyone's favorite balding cerebral captain. Picard is now an admiral who has been working tirelessly as an envoy between the Romulans and the Federation. Now a supernova is about to wipe out the Empire and a massive relocation of their entire society is underway, made more difficult by their secretive nature. The evacuation process has been underway for four years. A whole new fleet of ships is being furiously built, backed by LaForge at Utopia Planitia. Jean-Luc is still getting used to his new first officer, a lieutenant commander who's not much for formalities. He's on a mission to a Romulan colony that seems surprisingly open to the envoy. There are references to Shinzon from the last horrendous Next Generation film, and then Picard is delighted to discover they have vineyards there. That's his family's business. He's less thrilled to see the Romulans have enslaved the local population to run it and have no plans to save them in the evacuation. Of course, Picard demands that all must be saved, which sets up the miniseries. The artwork is decent. IDW has had years of experience drawing Trek stories, and the plot's intriguing. We'll see how well this actually lines up with the TV series. Paramount CBS Viacom is notorious for pulling the rug out from under Trek comic publishers. Young Justice number 11 from Wonder Comics by Bendis, Timbs, and Eltiab. 
Young Justice's tour of the multiverse seems to have ended back on Earth Zero, One, in any case, the main DCU, arriving at Port Oswego, where Star Lab's Dr. Glory has been questioning Naomi. Did Star Labs just build this facility? I thought it was an out-of-the-way small town. Glory. They, they did just build it. Superman was there and brought it in. Oh, I missed that somehow. Yes. Glory seems very interested in the interdimensional doorway Naomi used to go to her home Earth. In any case, Young Justice pops in via Jenny Hex's truck, and they spend some time trying to confirm they're actually on their correct Earth. There's little time for introductions as Naomi passes out. Keep in mind, all the events in her own title just happened over the past few days. She awakens back at her home to find that Mom has invited Young Justice for a sleepover. She awakens Ginny, sleeping in her truck, and Tim and Connor are up soon after. Tim is trying to text Stephanie during all this, which we see via these small pop-ups. When Connor hears that Dr. Glory is involved, he freaks out, because she's the one who sent him on his original dimensional tour in the first place. So he's off in a huff to confront her and finds Glory about to vamoose. She tries to talk him down, saying that he should be thanking her, not sure that was a good move, and that he was a science experiment that wasn't supposed to work. She then offers a door back to his other life, but then tricks him and sends him off to Skitaris. When the rest of the team arrives, she explains that he wanted to go and did so by taking Star Lab's tech. Young Justice is sure easy to fool. The Dreaming number 16 from Vertigo, oops, no, I mean DC Black Label, by Spurrier and Sauvage. We haven't talked about this title in a while, as it became rather trippy and hard to follow. This issue fills in a lot of blanks about the entire series. Dora, the girl with wings on her ears, learns her true story via recordings made by a billionaire who wanted to save the world from the ravages of religion. He has seen Dora in his dreams, and it turns out she is simply a night hag, a being that eats your fear when you sleep. The billionaire has figured out how to control his dreams, and how he could do the same for others, rewriting their minds to be more rational. He puts together a team of techs and mystics, and learns how the king of dreams, Morpheus, was imprisoned back in 1916, which is what had kicked off the classic Sandman title. He builds an AI powerful enough to bring Morpheus back with plans to imprison him again via a love affair and a sigil. It almost works, but it winds up with the AI becoming fully conscious. This is the entity running the dreaming today, and Morpheus escapes his prison. A side effect was the creation of an echo, a mind of extreme violence, Dora. The AI's goal is to pump our minds full of science and serenity and skill, eliminating myth over time. The billionaire gets cancer. And in its final stages, Morpheus returns and shows him what his AI has done. Terrified, he tries to kill it via code, but the team assumes he has lost his facilities, takes over the project, and stops him. Now Dora is trapped in the facility via the sigils in place. A security camera, part of the AI, shows Dora all of this, and she responds by trying to destroy it. She learns it and the AI are in the cloud, and all she did was destroy the life support system for the billionaire, something the AI wanted to do but could not. Well, believe it or not, all of this helps to explain what we've been reading for the past year and a half. Second Coming number 5 from Ahoy Comics by Russell, Pace, Kirk, and Tori. Sunstar has sent a communique from an Eastern European dictator who learned he won't be allowed to adopt a child in the U.S., which, quote, made the hawks of my soul shriek with sadness. 
so he offers Sunstar any of his country's orphans who he promises are hardworking. Sunstar's girlfriend Sheila is desperate enough to tell him to at least check it out. Meanwhile, God and Satan meet at a Berlin diner. Lucifer tells him how he put old Pitch in charge of Earth at first before he created man, which really gave the devil a complex. When God replies that Satan is responsible for all of man's evil, he replies that God is using him as a scapegoat. Over on Chernia, Sunstar meets with the dictator, and it turns out it's a trick to destroy the hero, and let's just say that doesn't go well. Meanwhile, Jesus is meeting with new disciples, explaining that God was never around in his early life, preferring to work with Lucifer to set the rules, which never seemed to work out well. Sexual reproduction, what do you think? Well, if they enjoy it too much, won't they overrun the planet? I know, I'll also make it so the animals eat each other. That would keep the population down, I suppose. Thou shalt not kill became, for violating this commandment, you must die. This is why Jesus came down, to teach people to come to terms with their own nature. God drops in on Sunstar's apartment and chats with Jesus, explaining Satan's offer, which Jesus is against. He's accepted that he could die as the price of teaching them. In any case, God refuses Satan's offer to protect Jesus on earth, telling him via a rainbow, I'm sorry. Sunstar returns and tells Sheila the bad news. When she replies, are we enough? He explains how love is accepting, that he's immortal, that everyone he knows will die, but choosing love anyway. He then proposes to her. We end with Satan meeting with a group of apparent bad guys with plans to settle a score with an indestructible man and his roommate, the heretic who calls himself Jesus Christ. Next issue, season finale. All right, before we get out of here, it's time to play America's fastest-growing new game show. Uh, guess who's on the cover of Entertainment Weekly? No. No. Yeah, we've had to make some changes in light of Entertainment Weekly becoming Entertainment Monthly. So let's bring out the big newsstand. No whammies, no whammies, no whammies. Let's get a magazine that hasn't been shut down already and stop. And today's magazine is Variety. Ooh. Uh, Mark, we haven't done a variety before. I don't think we have. Okay, are you ready? I think I am. Okay. Is it TV? No. Is it movies? No. Is it music? Yes. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, music, okay. Is it uh, one person on the cover? Yes. Uh, a woman? Yes. Um, let's see. Is this... Uh, 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 you don't even know what to ask. Yeah, I know. I don't know what to ask. Is it rap? Is it? It's uh, not rap. Uh, is it like pop music? I, you know, I think it may be. Okay. Um, is the woman under thirty? Yes. Is under twenty? Yes. Ooh, under ten? No. <laughs> well, you never know. Uh, so somebody in their teens, uh, uh, a and, and they're an artist. Yes. Um, and. Ooh, this is really outside my wheelbase. Uh, yeah, just remember that. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Um, uh, it's a woman. Well, we knew it was, I knew it was a woman. Okay. Um, it's a woman with a man's name. I'm giving you hints because you're never going to get okay, it. Okay, man's name. Well, that that big new artist, Fred. <laughs> uh, uh, She's of Irish descent. Irish descent. Oh, man. Uh, is she mostly known as an artist? Yes. Okay, so no other 
possible connections. No. Who? Who? Um. Oh dear! You can't I, I, even I, think I, of I, a question. I, I literally cannot think of a question. <laughs> you can think of why did we pick variety? Why did we pick variety? I guess that's that's the question I would ask. Uh, let's see. We yeah. only have two seconds oh, left. Oh, thank goodness. I couldn't even think of any clues to give you that would get it any more than I already did. Billie yeah. Eilish. Oh, okay. <laughs> At least it's somebody I've heard of. No, I, I've never heard of him. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, well. <sighs> Announcer bot, how can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe by your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at sfppn. Check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.